The Colorado Equals Security Podcast is your local source for regional security news, local events, and interviews with key individuals in the region. Now, here are your hosts, Rob Reck and Alex Wood. Welcome to Colorado Equal Security. This is a newscast for episode 163 uh, for the week of May 4th, 2020. Uh, Alex, may the 4th be with you. Thank you, Rob. Um, are you uh, part of the force or are you part of the dark side? Well, I, you know, I, I like to think of myself as a relatively good guy, maybe a little bit near the edge, maybe a little Mace Windu-y, where I might drop, drop an F-bomb with my purple sword, but you know, mostly be on the good side. How about yourself? Yeah, I, I think that uh, I'm I'm definitely on the Jedi side of the Force. Um, uh, you know, it, it's hard to to argue with that, considering they end up winning in every right. movie. Well, they they do a lot more losing than winning, but you're right that at the end in of the end. Trilogy, well, I guess the first trilogy, not so much, right? The the prequel trilogy. True. Um, so we just uh, my my family and I just watched. Uh, the first half of Rogue One tonight. Um, I've seen, of course, seen it in the past, but uh, first time for my 12-year-old, and uh, I think everyone enjoys it. And you know, they, I don't think they appreciate as much as we do as adults how good a job they did making the, you know, making the look and feel of the movie match the original trilogy. You know, 30 years later, whatever it is. Yeah, I mean, if it weren't for the uh, much greater video quality, um, there are things that are quite alike from Rogue One to A New Hope. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, one, of my, one of my favorite Star Wars movies. Jump into new. Sorry to uh, talk over you there. Uh, we do have some housekeeping. Of course, we have a Slack channel. A lot of great conversation in there. Um, you know, we'd love to have you join us in there and talk to 1,400 plus of our favorite folks in the Colorado community. You can go out to colorado-security.com to find the Slack channel link. We also have a mailing list if you'd like to get an email from us every week letting you know about the new podcast and what is in it. Go to the website, colorado-security.com, scroll to the bottom, put your email in the form, and submit it. And if you want to, uh, we would appreciate it if you would subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app and rate us out there. You rating us helps us get new listeners. Uh, new listeners makes the world a little better, and it's kind of a, a way for, that you can help move the, the Colorado Equal Security movement forward. Or you could just tell a friend. Um, I've seen several instances a week on Slack of people showing up there and and thanking the person that invited them to come join it. So uh, just tell a friend, let them know about Colorado Equal Security and the podcast and everything that's going on. Uh, and there's other ways you can support us if, you're, if you'd like to, you know, beyond just telling a friend, if you want to give financial support, there's a Patreon campaign on our website. Uh, and we're also looking for folks to do guest interviews for us. We've had quite a few guest interviews recently. You know, I, I felt like we had a lot at the beginning of this quarantine, but we've just got a few more. Um, you know, I don't know if we're going to be able to get out and see people in person again anytime soon. So if you want to help us do some remote interviews, or if you happen to live with someone who would either be an interesting interview for you to do or could interview you, We'd love to, to talk to you about that. And maybe we can get you on the show. You know, Rob, it doesn't even have to be interesting. I mean, you know, I interviewed my kids. That was clearly not interesting. Well, that, that, that's true enough. Uh, well, you know, jumping over to news, uh, good news. There are golden tickets out in the wild and you can get a tour. It's a tour of a chocolate factory, right? Yes. Uh, so if you get a, a Willy Wonka chocolate bar, um, peel the, the foil back and maybe there'll be a golden ticket there. I've got a golden ticket. Um, you know, I really love Gene Wilder. He's, it was an amazing actor. Um, you're not the Johnny Depp version. Definitely not. Yeah. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about here, Rob. Um, big tangent there. Uh, Strava coffee is giving five $1,000 golden tickets to customers. Um, if you order online between April 27th and May 1st, uh, you may get one of those golden tickets in your order. So this is really us talking about what could have happened if we had talked about this last week on the show. Uh, but we think it's interesting anyway. Strava is a Denver-based company, and they, they make coffee with hemp in it. Uh, it's the, or I guess it's the uh, CBD coffee, right? So if you need a little pick-me-up along with your pick-me-up, uh, they might be the right coffee for you. Definitely. Also, um, there's been a lot of good going around, not just the potential of winning $1,000 by ordering coffee. Um, a number of different organizations, including VF Corp, uh, have been doing good things um, in terms of uh, launching relief campaigns. 
Yeah, so this is a pretty cool article. It's in the Denver Business Journal. Uh, they had a number of different examples of companies that are that are doing good and giving back. Uh, I pulled out a couple of my favorite examples. Uh, Voodoo Donuts has launched a new donut called the Brainiac. Uh, it's a pastry decked out with strawberry frosting and nerds candies. Um, and they're going to use the profits from this. They're going to go to raising um, money for the hunger-based generosity feeds. Um, so you can get a limited edition pastry uh, to help support that donation. That, that's a pretty cool thing that they're doing here right in the middle of COVID. That is cool. Uh, the Denver Toyota Dealers Association donated $50,000 to the newly created Colorado Restaurant Response uh, Food Coalition to help with uh, folks that are in need of food. Uh, one other one I, I wanted to call out personally, uh, the Denver law firm Brownstein, Hyatt, Farber, Shrek, um, they have made a pro bono team to help nonprofits navigate through the, the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program. You know, we've heard a lot about the federal government coming up with that program, people running out of money, not, not knowing if, they're, if they should be able to get it. Um, so it's pretty cool that they're helping nonprofits figure out how they can take advantage of that and, um, you know, not, not taking any money for doing it. You know, uh, that law firm has got everyone in the kitchen sink, but they've got Shrek, but no donkey. Oh, <laughs> I, I, I tried to come up with a witty response, but I failed. My, my Eddie Murphy is not so great. Uh, next. Next story. Uh, I, uh, I'll tell you about these 13 prominent CEOs here in Denver that are helping uh, form a, a group of their own to help with the well-being here in the, in the area. So these companies, we'll go through who they are, but they created a group called Colorado Thrives, which is a 501c3 um, that's really just going to be focusing on making the, the whole area better. And it's really not focused on business improvements. Yeah, it, it's focused more on uh, individual improvement, which I think is uh, pretty cool and uh, specifically what they were going for. Um, and, you know, the thing that they are focusing on first is around uh, economic mobility. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. They, they've been meeting for more than a year with the Boston Consulting Group to figure out how can they make a difference? What's the best way to, to impact the, the, uh, the area? Um, and, and they come up with economic mobility as a first place for them to start. But they say you know, that certainly is not where they want to end up. That's just a starting point for them. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, you've got executives from all kinds of different uh, local companies, including uh, Dan Caruso, founder of the Zayo Group. Uh, Steve Cohen from Anschutz Corporation, where I happen to work, um, the president and CEO of Ball Corp, um, Rob Katz from Vail Resorts, uh, Steve Rendell from VF Corp, lots and lots of people from big name companies here in town. Yeah. Aero Electronics made it. Liberty Global made it. Uh, really cool to see to see so many of these big business leaders in town contributing together. Um, we, we applaud them for what they're doing and, and look forward to seeing what's next. Um, in other news, Boston Market has been sold uh, to an East Coast restaurant operator. So Boston Market is one of the, uh, I guess, fast casual uh, restaurants that is uh, based here in Colorado. Uh, they are a 284 location chain these days, and uh, they were owned by Sun Capital Partners, but were sold to Engage Brands, which is part of the Rohan Group. Yeah, when, when I mentioned this to my wife, Kristen, um, she said, man, weren't they owned by somebody else? And, and sure enough, back in 2007, they, had, they were owned by McDonald's. McDonald's is the one who sold them um, to Sun Capital Partners. Uh, so interestingly enough, they, you know, they've been moved around a little bit, but they are still headquartered here in Colorado. And it looks like that's not going to change through this. Um, they are the biggest of the, of the restaurant chains here in Colorado. Um, them and Noodles and Quiznos and Smashburger are some of the other ones. You know, we used to have Chipotle. Um, those suckers left, you know. That's, that stinks, is what it is. Um, the Rohan Group also owns uh, Pizza Hut and the Checkers and Rallies franchises. Yeah, and they, I think they owned a, a bunch of other franchises. Uh, and I, and I can't remember what they were off the top of my head, but they, they have a whole bunch of different um, restaurants that they have pieces of. Moving on to our next story, um, you know, there's, we had a lot of news about uh, people who have been laid off and folks who are unemployed right now. We don't cover a lot of that type of news on this show, um, but I did wanna, we did wanna focus on this one story that's a little bit good. If, if you are someone who's looking for work or you know someone who is, there's a number of industries here in Colorado that are hiring uh, large numbers of people right now. Yeah, um, one of those is grocery stores. Obviously people uh, still need to get food and maybe even more than normal since eating at home more instead of restaurants. 
Yeah, so we got parcel and mail delivery. I know we see a lot of that. Uh, it's big increases on, on all of those. Hardware stores, which of course are still open. Um, my local hardware stores had a sign out front looking for somebody for a good long while now. Yeah, they have healthcare industry on here. And I, and I think it, it kind of depends on what healthcare you're talking about. Some healthcare industry uh, positions are, have, have had a lot of pressure. And then some really have had nothing to do because you know, clinics are being shut down and non-elective or excuse me, elective things have been postponed. So I think it's kind of hit or miss to that, but there's a, a number of hirings for healthcare. And you know, we, we focus on one, what, a few weeks ago when DaVita announced they're hiring 15,000 people. Yeah, and I think that was one that was mentioned in this story as well. And, uh, and finally on their list, food delivery. Um, obviously, explosion in, in the number of delivery drivers that are, are needed to deliver um, all the, the uh, takeout delivery food that, that's going on right now. So, you know, obviously not security related jobs or not for the most part on these, but if folks are looking, if, if you're looking to help someone you know and, and love uh, find a new place to work, uh, there's at least five places to start looking at. Um, big news for Colorado Springs, uh, the National Cybersecurity Center, the space ISAC and uh, Exponential Impact have won a $3 million grant to help expand the facility that they all occupy down in Colorado Springs. Yeah, one of the uh, one of the interesting parts of this is that two point seven five million for the grant, uh, but it can't they would only be sent if there was a matching fund from the local business as a part of that, and they did get the matching fund, so they're really getting uh, what would that be about five and a half million dollars, um, and they're going to use that money uh, to create. Well, they they say that this money will create three hundred and sixty jobs, which is just amazing, and is going to attract. Uh, more than $9 million of additional investment. And that's based on the U.S. Department of Commerce, uh, their announcement. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, so they're going to use this money to do a couple things and build out the building that is down there in Colorado Springs with offices and classrooms, including a cyber vulnerability lab and a watch center that will be part of the uh, space ISAC that is based there. I mean, for me, the, the big news coming out of this is there's a space ISAC. I had no idea there was, you know, ISAC Information Sharing and Analysis Center, or uh, Information Center. Um, I didn't know there was a space ISAC, and I didn't know it was in Colorado. That's pretty awesome. And of course, this is you know it's it's really tied at the hip along with NCC and Exponential Impact. So it's pretty cool stuff to see them getting you know new resources. Good stuff. Uh, next story we've got here this week. Um, we, there's a new startup in town, a data privacy startup that just raised $3.5 million in seed, in seed uh, funding, which by the way, seems like a massive amount to me, $3.5 million as your, kind of your, your seed. Um, but their name is, I'm going to try and say it, is it um, Mainitu? Uh, Main E2? Um, they are, they're located here in Colorado, and then they're really to, uh, focused on helping give consumers the ability to control their own data within an enterprise software platform. Yeah, uh, this uh, to me sort of reminds me of a, uh, a OneTrust or some of the other platforms that uh, people are using these days to, to work with data subject requests um, and, uh, and companies, you know, using it for, uh, for people asking about their data or to remove their data or other things like that. Um, the, one of the things I talk about here is being able to uh, sort of be that the, the middle place where that data can uh, live and be controlled, um, even though the uh, Manetu software won't be able to see the data. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I I struggle with understanding how their software wouldn't see the data. Um, the way they talk, describe it in the article is that um, Manetu's machine learning algorithm scans data stores for any and all personal information that enterprises hold. It organizes and classifies that data, puts it in an encrypted copy in the Manetu control plane. Um, and then only the the enterprise and the consumer can access it. Really interesting. I'd be curious how the technology works. Either way, uh, it's exactly the kind of you know moves that we're going to need in order to to really work with this new privacy focused world. And I'm excited to see Colorado have a company that's focused on doing it. Well, Rob, I can tell you how it works. Uh, the seed round was led by blockchain focused Castle Island Ventures. So clearly, it is the blockchain. Well, if the blockchain's taking care of it, then I'm not worried. Uh, next, uh, an announcement from ThreadX. They are uh, announced a new CEO, Gene Fay, uh, coming in to uh, replace Brett Settle as CEO. Uh, Brett is not going anywhere. He is going to assume the role of chief strategy officer. Yeah, so this is exciting news. We've talked with Brett on the show in the past. We've talked about ThreadX a number of times. They are the local WAF player. Um, Gene Fay, uh, he came over uh, previous to being here at ThreadX. He was the chief operating officer for White Ops, 
um, where he worked with the co-founders to help uh, grow that organization. Previous to that, he worked for Resilient Systems as a general manager and the VP of sales. And it uh, looks like he helped them double sales over five years. So hopefully he can come into ThreadX and, and really give them that shot in the arm and growth that they're looking for. Yeah, um, please don't uh, sell ThreadX short though, Rob. They are not a WAF provider. They are a next-gen WAF provider. Well, which gen are we on? The next gen. I guess if you just say next gen, it doesn't matter, right? It's just I'm always exactly. one, I'm always one generation above whatever ahead of whatever <laughs> you're talking about. I'm completely next. Uh, our next story uh, is Dark Owl, another local company. They have selected Blue Voyant to help deliver the managed detection and response service, which is going which is going to be enabled and enriched with um, Dark Owl's threat intelligence, which we've talked a lot about on the show. They have that dark web. Um, indexing, and they're going to help use that with Blue Voyant to deliver a better service. Yeah, I w- was a little confused by the article itself um, in the way that they uh, wrote this out, but I mean, it does sound like um, the Blue Voyant MDR platform is just going to be enriched with uh, with the Dark Owl uh, dark web data, um, but it sounded sort of like Dark Owl is delivering the service, so I was a little confused about that part. What my guess, and and I have done zero uh, analysis on this, so we call this a fact-free. Uh, what would that be? Immature, uh, inappropriate reporting. But my guess is that uh, Dark Owl has some customers who said, "Hey, I love your your in, your your dark web index, but I don't know how to look through my environment and see if I'm impacted." And they said, "Can you help me do this?" And Dark Owl said, "Well, we don't do that." And they went out and found someone who would do that as a managed service for their, for dark owl customers. And now they can come to their customers and say, here you go. Here's a solution that, that gets you all the way there versus, you know, just our technology. That's my yeah. guess. Yeah. That, that seems like a pretty reasonable guess uh, consi- considering there are zero facts there. No, we could, we could have gone to the effort of like emailing them or, or trying yeah. to, to, to get an interview. Uh, we're not those type of reporters, everybody. Uh, I think you're stretching a little bit by saying we are reporters, Rob. <laughs> Uh, finally, in the news this week, uh, we have a blog from Swimlane talking about responding to insider threats with SOAR. Yeah, you know, we don't always do blogs. I've, I looked through this one and I thought it was really interesting. You know, SOAR has been one of those areas where uh, the idea seems really important, but it's, it's just hard to figure out exactly what does a use case look like that, that where you can actually go from an alert all the way to an action. And what I really liked about this blog post was that they do walk all the way through that. You know, they go through the what I would call kind of the relatively easy steps of SOAR where you're, you, you know, you take the alert and then you do a bunch of enrichment and you get a bunch of analysis. What I'm used to seeing is you get all this enrichment and analysis and then you send that off to a human to say, okay, what do I want to do about it? In this blog post, they talk about, you know, how they, how you can make the decision at that point to go into Active Directory and maybe disable an account, lock out an account, whatever the, the access would be. Um, I thought that was interesting and, and I like to see the specific use case that where they're saying, this is the one that you can actually act on. Yeah, I, I really like the approach. Anytime you have some sort of blog where they take a use case and uh, sort of implement it end to end, either in a you know in their product or you know some other way, I I think that that's really useful for people and um, can provide value to folks that are reading the blog. So yep, good, stuff. good stuff. Thanks to those guys for doing that. Well, that's it for news. Let's jump over to our Slack message of the week. Big thanks to Andre Gata. Every week, uh, he's kicking in his own money to help buy something from the Colorado Equal Security Store for one interesting comment that we get out of the Slack channel. Yeah, and based on that, this week, our winner for the Slack message of the week is Frank Vianzon. Uh, congratulations, Frank. Uh, he posted a job post from Cisco. Uh, they are looking for a Jedi Knight. So uh, speaking of may the force be with you, uh, if you want to be a Jedi Knight, go look in the Slack channel to find that Cisco job post. So when I saw it, what, what I was thinking was it was going to say Jedi Knight and then it was going to be like, you know, you're going you're, you're gonna to practice security and keep the, you know, the, the rebels safe or whatever. But it was just like written like for a Jedi Knight, the entire thing. There was no part where it actually talked about a real job. Somebody had a little bit of a fun, you know, we're guessing maybe it was posted on April 1st, but we didn't find it for a little while after. I don't know. Anyway, it was amusing. And uh, thanks to Frank for finding that and sharing it with the community. Of course, at the end, they did say, um, this isn't a real job post, but we have lots of jobs that uh, you could apply for if you're interested in this. So, uh, but did you apply, Alex? Uh, I think I am okay right now. Thanks, Rob. <laughs>
Uh, so we do, moving along, we, we, we have an event calendar. We've talked about this the last few weeks. Um, there are a number of virtual events that have been spinning up. So we'll talk about a few of those. Still, you know, be cautious as you look on the calendar. Some of the stuff on there has probably been canceled. Make sure before you try and go to something that it's, it's still legit. But these four look good. On the May the 4th, you know, uh, Monday, we, there is a cyber, excuse me, Global Cyber Alliance DMARC Bootcamp. I think this is awesome. If you want to learn about email security, go attend that. On the 5th, ISSA Denver is uh, starting some online virtual meetings. They're uh, doing one called Hangout a Shingle, Starting Your Own Cybersecurity Company. And uh, Douglas Brush and Daniel Ayala are the ones that are presenting that. Yeah, so this is cool because the, the, the content that they're doing on these is actually from the Rocky Mountain Information Security Conference. You know, that conference has been canceled for the year. Uh, and these guys uh, were ready to talk there and have decided just to do that talk for the community virtually. I'm pretty excited they're doing that. Um, and looking forward to seeing the content. Uh, the on the seventh, we have a, a similar uh, one, another another one of those RMIC talks. It's the hacker business models. They're out innovating the rest of us, and that's by Steve Winterfell. Looking forward to Steve's talk as well. And then on the fourteenth, the Northern Colorado Colorado chapter of ISSA is doing their May chapter meeting in a virtual fashion. And there's a hot tip for all of you guys. If you think, hey, I've never been to the Northern Colorado chapter. That's a long drive from me. You could go anyway. You could, you could do it even though it's not anywhere near your house. That's right. Crash the party. All right. Let's move over to jobs. I, I do have a couple of jobs at Ping uh, and the security team I'm looking to hire a GRC analyst. This is someone who's, uh, who's really kind of a jack of all traits within GRC, helping us with um, ISO and SOC audits, business continuity, um, helping support incoming questionnaires from customers, um, just, uh, even some of our privacy program work. So someone who's looking to get their foot in uh, into the security area, that'd be a good first opportunity for you. Uh, we're also hiring a product security engineer. This is someone with a development background who can help us embed security practices within our uh, product development lifecycle. Uh, Staples is also looking for an AppSec person. They are looking for a senior application security architect. I believe uh, that position is reporting to Dustin Lair, who put out a great uh, post this week on LinkedIn talking about application security testing. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, ULA, the United Launch Alliance, is hiring an information security architect six. If you want six, to skip, Rob. Those, skip those first five levels, go jump straight to six. Synoptech is looking for a director slash CISO. Uh, Charter Communications is looking for a vulnerability engineer one, vulnerability and remediation. Zoll Data Systems is looking for an information security engineer. Uh, the state of Colorado is hiring a senior cybersecurity engineer. Arrow is looking for a corporate IT auditor one. And finally, PwC is hiring a cloud security DevOps engineer. Um, Pretty sweet. A lot of good jobs this week, especially considering you know the the kind of uncertainty in the market. A lot of good opportunities here in Colorado. I will say, Rob, as uh, the person that's been gathering the jobs for us for the last few weeks, there are fewer jobs out there, but as you can see, there are still some good ones. All right. Well, we do have a, a guest interview this week. Eric Huffman was uh, sat down with Jason Jakes. Looking forward to this interview. Eric has some kind of an interesting title. You can see how we titled the, the episode, uh, Entrepreneur, Researcher, and Cyber Psychologist. So that's pretty curious. Ooh. Does that pique your interest? It does. My interest is piqued. Well, looking forward. Stick around, listen to it, and uh, let me know what you think about his uh, cyber psychology. Sounds good. All right. Well, that is it. Thanks, everybody. And we'll look forward to talking to you again next week. Thanks, Rob. Hi, this is Chad Payne, Executive Director of IT Operations for Cranky Sports and Entertainment. Welcome to Colorado Equals Security for Colorado security professionals like Colorado security professionals. Colorado Equals Security. This is Jason Jakes, host of Emerging Tech Fan. I recently attended the Snowfrock Conference put on by OWASP Denver. While I was there, I conducted two interviews. The second interview is with Dr. Eric J. Huffman, a cybersecurity researcher and founder of Handshake Leadership. Here's the interview. Enjoy. Dr. Eric J. Huffman. Can I call you Eric? Yes, sir. Please, please. Thanks for being here today. Oh, no problem. So we are at Snowfrock. You are my second interview, actually. I just interviewed Aaron Cure. Um, what do you think of this conference? It's awesome. It's it's different. It's definitely more software driven than most of the cyber conferences right. that I've that I've been to much more talking about the 
the internet and the DevOps and the development process. It's amazing. It's amazing and it's different. So it definitely has its own space and its own lane within the whole conference realm. So you go conference to conference. A lot of times you hear the same thing yeah. from a different person. Um, that's definitely not here. Yeah, there's very different topics here for sure. Yes. Um, I've I've been impressed. This is my first snow frock. How about yourself? It's my first kind of. Okay. The first experience was actually last year during the bomb cyclone. Oh. Uh, so I couldn't make it up here. Were you supposed to speak at that one? Yes, I was. But you couldn't make it up? No, they shut down the interstate, so it was impossible for me. The interstate and even the back route, Yeah, uh, there was no way, aside from an airplane, and they weren't even flying at that point in time. Oh, wow. Okay. So then this is technically your... Uh I guess your first. Yeah. But it's supposed to be your second. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you just got done with uh, your talk or, or your speech. Yes, what sir. was it on? It was on cyber psychology. Okay. So that's. And this much. is going to dive into your, uh, your research, right? Cyber yes, sir. Okay. So yes, sir. let's, let's pause on that because I, I do want to dive into that. But uh, before we kind of go that route, let's talk a little bit about your background. So are you from Colorado? Yes, sir. Born and raised. Yeah, we're at. Fountain, Colorado Springs. So okay. down south, south of about an hour south of Denver. Okay. Tell me a little bit about what it was like growing up there. Oh, it was it was fun. You know, I got got myself into some trouble as a kid, just sure. hanging out with family and friends and you know, but uh love love it. I it's a hard it's a hard place to be. It was uh being an hour from Denver, which is a major city. One major interstate. Uh, it's a big city. It's a small town, and it's only growing. So it's so much fun. I, I love it here. But you've never moved up to the big city. No, sir. No, you've, sir. Uh, you've stayed away. Yes, sir. Successfully. <laughs> yes, sir. Right on. I like Colorado Springs. I love going down there. It's a. Uh, it's always. I always have a good time down there. What's some of your hobbies? So I, I like to play Mario Kart a lot. That's okay. My hobby. <laughs> is that still a game? Yes, it is. I did not. Yeah, know there's that. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on the Nintendo Switch. Okay. Yeah, I love it. Right. <laughs> I, lo I love it. That is that is my hobby. Every Wednesday, um, me and three of my best friends we get together and we're just boys. Yeah. Uh, take out all one's a one's a police officer, mm -hmm. one's a teacher, and so we just need time to not be professionals yeah. and just be boys and so every wednesday uh we get together we play some games but my, my favorite is mario kart i know i sound like a nerd but no that's awesome i am a nerd so yeah so does the police officer chase you around in mario kart and try to i don't know write you a ticket can't catch me oh there you go <laughs> there you go you always win right yeah <laughs> that's funny so we're all plugged into the digital world do you have any analog hobbies Specifically, what do you mean? You know, I, I like to unplug and do, uh, this is going to sound weird. I like to mow my lawn. <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, that, that is, that is legit. Yeah. That's, that's good. My, I, I like to mow my lawn as well. Uh, it's, how I, it's how I decompress. Nice. It's how I, yeah, get away from the digital world. Nice. Uh, being, being in Colorado, I, I love fishing. That's okay. kind of, that's kind of my, my thing. I haven't been fishing well, the past five years, I haven't fished as much as I wanted to. Yeah. But last year, I made it a point. I went out fishing a, a lot more, and I loved it. I, yeah. I loved it. It's just I'm not very good. I won't say I catch a lot of fish, but oh, just to I'd be, be terrible. Out, what do you uh, catch? Yeah, what kind of fish? Any a lot of times, it's a lot of seaweed. Okay. But, <laughs> but it's a uh, uh, bass, bass typically bass, oh. uh, bass and trout. Those nice. are. I'm not catching anything crazy or breaking any Colorado records or nothing like yeah. that. But it's fun just to get out and just hang out. We live in beautiful Colorado. You have to get out and hang out. Yes, sir. Yep. You certainly do. So how did you get into the industry? Let's talk about that. Well, my dad, when we grow up, when we grew up, uh, it was a, we didn't have a whole lot. And he was in the army. He's retired army. And so I saw him gravitate towards computers, and he started programming. He got a, a bachelor's degree, then he got his master's degree in software engineering. Um, and I saw us go from like about 600 square feet um, into a house, and I, I had a room to my own. 
Yeah. Um, and then uh, we went to a, a bigger house and he retired and he's doing fantastic. So I saw that as kind of a, a way to, a way to do it. Like, well, it, it worked for dad. So let me give it a shot. So I got my bachelor's degree in computer science. Um, my master's degree is in the science of management, concentrating in IT management. Uh, but then I found cybersecurity to be this thing that I, I love to, uh, to find ways to break things. Cause as a kid, that's typically what I would try to do is, uh, find ways to, to break things and get access to stuff that I, I shouldn't have right. or they didn't want me to have. And then, uh, and then you've gone beyond your master's. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because I introduced you as doctor. Yes, sir. I have uh, my, my doctorate is in management, um, is concentrating in organizational development and leadership. Uh, but my research is that cyber psychology stuff. Yeah, I think that's awesome, by the way. I rarely interview anyone that uh, that's a doctor. So this is an <laughs> honor and a privilege for me. I, I appreciate it. It's not as cool as it sounds. It's a whole no. lot of reading, a whole lot of writing. Well, let's actually, let's dive into it and talk about it. So tell me about, tell me about it and um, the research that you're involved with. So cyber psychology is a blend between cybersecurity and neuroscience. I specifically focus on the biological deficiencies of human beings in a cyber environment. So it's not focused on age, race, gender, or anything like that. I'm specifically looking at how do you as a person um, interact with technology and what are the deficiencies in that? Because um, in a cyber environment, we're talking about computers and tablets and phones. These are things we built. We're not built for it. So it's not a tree where some animalistic instinct is going to help you out during a phishing attack. That no. doesn't happen. So with us doing that and this being fairly new, there's got to be some room for growth. Cause if you look at the current rate of attacks, it's just through the roof. If you look at the rate of technology innovation, it's through the roof. You would think the more we innovate in security, the harder it would get to hack. And actually information is showing that the more we innovate seems to be the easier it is to, to hack. So we've been doing this for 30, 40 years. Cyber is just a cool word. It's been right. information security forever. Um, so the only thing that hasn't changed is us. It's been people being involved into that. So that's why I focused my research. And that's when I really started looking at the human element. Cause everyone says the human's the problem, the human, the dumb user or something like that. Mm-hmm. But no one really put the pieces together in a way at, that science uh, embraces. So the neuroscience on the human brain versus uh, you being a person behind a computer screen. Um, how do you behind a computer screen interface with that technology and how does the brain work with that? Um, and we have some very interesting findings that we're, that we're digging through. We're, we're over 10,000, close to 15,000, if not a little over now, 15,000 participants in different studies. Wow. So the data is actually growing mm-hmm. and what we are thinking and the conclusions are starting to become a little more clear. Uh, however, I do want to, I do want to state that it's a new study right. and there's just me and maybe a couple other people out there that are paving the way. Um, we're just hoping more people contribute to find out we're either right or yeah. we're off a little bit. Um, but it looks good. It, it, it looks great right now. Can you talk about what some of the findings are or is it too early to talk about? Um, no, we, we, could, we could talk about it. Uh, so, for example, in your brain, there's something called the limbic system. Um, okay. The limbic system is fight or flight. Um, it's actually fight, flight or freeze. So with fight or flight, if someone ran into the room acting crazy, uh, immediately you're either going to fight or you're going to run faster than what you ever thought in your entire life. And that's a biological function. That's not a decision based on your past, your background, or anything like that. You're either going to fight or flight. Either you're going to feel like you're tough or you're not or something, something along those lines. Um, however, when you read a phishing email, you don't, just like dodge out the way because you're like scared or something like that. So that biological part of your brain um, shuts off unless you're watching a video or a movie or something like that, which is why you dodge out the way of the screen is because that fight or flight is kind of kicking in and say, Hey, dodge, just 
just dodge out the way, move out the way. Okay. Um, so we partnered the that area not being activated um, with the notion and the fact that when you read, you actually read in your own voice. So you don't read in my voice. You don't read in a stranger's voice. You read in your own voice. Hmm. And now if I send you an email, because if you don't know me, you don't know what voice to read in. So you're going to read in your own. So it breaks okay. that biological barrier down Yeah. because I couldn't walk up to you and say, hey, can you go buy me a $500 iTunes gift card, scratch the back off of it and give it to me? Um, most people on the planet, I'll, be, I'll just pretty much say everyone on the planet would say no. However, that's one of the attacks that are happening and is working. Mm-hmm. Um, it's because that biological, fun, that biological uh, barrier is broken because you're reading it. You're reading it in your own voice unless you know the name. Mm-hmm. Or unless you know your loved one. So like your your wife or your kids, if they send you an email, you begin to read that in their voice, mm. which is even more dangerous because you trust the messenger more than you trust the message. Right. And so as you start to read the message, it doesn't matter what it says. The messenger is a trusted source. It is a, it's a person that you love. It's a person that you trust. And so there is a huge problem with that. Um, So we started working with different organizations in conducting fishing campaigns uh, in a different manner. Uh, I preach that we need to practice how we fight. Mm -hmm. And we typically don't. So we send a fishing campaign with the Nigerian prince or something like that. And no one's really following. So you're the one doing all these fishing campaigns. Is that what what you're saying? (laughs) I, I, I do some of them. I don't. But it's all for research. It. Yes, exactly, okay. exactly. I'm not. I'm not sending them out. We have we have approval, and there's a scope. Okay. So we're not we're not fishing people just to fish people. Um, but every time we conduct one of those fishing campaigns, mm-hmm. uh, we interview the participants, and the findings are mind blowing. You would think that it's not just a hey, you're a dumb user. So if we we worked with the organization. We spoofed the CEO. And so the email looked like it came from the CEO. Um, the individual had clicked the link. And during the interview, uh, he told us, he's like, the CEO scares me. that He just laid off 100 some odd people. And I don't want to be laid off as well. So we partnered this. We talked to the CEO. Like, hey, unless you do something about this, there's this attack vector that is not going to get fixed by technology. He uh, sees your name. It promotes the feeling of fear. Yeah. And so he's going to respond just to help you out. And because he wants to help you out. So there's an area that we need to fix. We need to fix that gap. Um, well, that's fascinating. I've never thought about that before. So how do you go about fixing that that gap, that attack vector, if you will? Yeah, it sounds a little cheesy. Uh, but we we ask a lot of reflection, a lot of introspection, because um, if you don't understand yourself, you don't really understand how you're going to react. Um, and there's all kinds of things that influence that, how you were raised, your cultural, your social norms. Um, we've seen the social engineering practice where people hold a box of donuts and they just follow you into a secured building and you just hold open the door because you're being nice and you're, ho- you're holding open the right. door and... Who's going to deny donuts? And so they walk in and next thing you know, you're hacked or they start dropping thumb drives everywhere and you pick up a thumb drive, Mm -hmm. you plug it into your computer because you want to find out who to give it back to. We'll just say you just want to find out who you give it back to. And next thing you know, your computer's compromised or you drop a thumb drive and you put uh, layoffs, you write layoffs on it. And Mm -hmm. of course you're going to be really interested and you're going to plug that into your computer and you've been hacked. The largest hack on a military facility came from exactly that. They had a thumb drive. They threw it over a fence. Mm. The person plugged it in. Then the rest is history. No Um, kidding. Yeah. So there, there's a, there's issues that we need to face as people because the more we innovate, uh, it's, it's not a one-to-one ratio just because we innovate and we make it harder for attackers. Yeah. That innovation is available to the attackers as well. So we developed encryption for different for data confidentiality so you can't read it. The attacker took that and they developed ransomware. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
unless we start addressing us and we start looking at us as a potential problem and a potential solution, we're going to run into some issues. Um, we did a, a study recently with over um, 5,000, like 5,000, about 5,000 participants, and we found cybersecurity professionals click links at a higher rate than the layman. Hmm. Uh, so it's not you understand cybersecurity. It's not, well, I understand cybersecurity. I'm not going to fall victim no, if I get an email, it's not curiosity. Yeah, it, well, if we if, think we're safe, you're so. right. You're right. If you send me an email and you pretend to be my mom, there's no. I'm gonna feel some kind of way. Yeah, you know, I, I'm a mama's boy. I, I love mom, so I'm gonna start reading in her voice, right. and immediately you have my attention. Uh, at least you're gonna have my attention. I, if we go by the notion that. I'm a cybersecurity professional. I'm going to never fall victim to a phishing scam. It's not because you're a cybersecurity professional. It's either are you cold enough to turn off that part of your brain that you're, you see a name of a loved one, you're not going to feel anything, or do they just not know how to reach you? If you're a sports fan, if you're a Denver Bronco fan, mm-hmm. and they say, hey, Von Miller got traded, send in a phishing email, boom. You're not going to read it? Yeah, I probably you, would read it. Yeah, like if you if you're just be honest with yourself, yeah. that's what we're that's what we're facing. Um, attackers they may not understand the science behind it, but we've seen it since high school, since elementary school, where you have the cool kids spreading rumors about um, some other kid just to change the the outlook on them. There's, there's a whole lot of sociology involved in that. However, in those situations, I can see the problem. I can see the attacker here. We can't see the attacker where we're at their mercy, right? Cause they can communicate to us at any point in time. Every organization on the planet accepts email. They just got to get through the spam filter. And if they get through the spam filter, they just got to get you to be interested and click once. Yeah. And there's, there's a lot of data. So the there's a big five for cybersecurity victims. Uh, if you're an extrovert, um, that's a personality trait for a cyber victim. If you're conscientious, that's a personality trait for a cyber victim. Um, if you're emotionally stable, not to say that that's a bad thing, but if you're emotionally stable, you're willing to sit down and work with someone. If you're not emotionally stable... You're going to like, oh, my girlfriend left me or something, start crying or something like that. And like, that's not the mindset that you need to, to victimize someone. So you need to be emotionally stable if you're open to new experience. Um, the number one personality trait we found is that impulsiveness. The more mm-hmm. impulsive you are, uh, the more likely you are to be a cyber victim. Not because I don't need to fool you for a day or an hour or anything. It's 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. If I can get you, if I get your attention for thirty seconds, and I get you to click and send me information, um, it's 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 a wrap. Uh, wow! So where is this research taking you? Where do you think you'll uh, you'll end up five ten years from now, based on this? Uh, Are you going to be teaching the world about uh, kind of new ways to to think through some of these attacks? What do you think? I hope hopefully hopefully it lands somewhere in a place where we change how we do training yeah okay because uh, it's training is currently right now it's all computer-based you click on the link and then you click next 15 times like you're installing microsoft office or something like that yeah. then it prints you out the certificate then you're good for the year that's not right that's not how we need to do it um hopefully five years from now we're changing how we're training where we're bringing in psychologists we're bringing in sociologists um, we're bringing in people to help people understand themselves so they know how to act and react during a cyber attack um, because if you came from a place where, where the social norms is to be helpful uh, to hold open doors uh, to communicate to answer questions when asked or if you see a position if you see a person of authority to acknowledge that person of authority at all costs um those things can and will be used against you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're going to hold open the door for um, uh, a woman every time because it's just the right thing to do, every woman attacker is going to get into the door every time until you address. Not that you're a bad person. It's just there's times yeah. and places. The enemy, it sounds rough to say, but attackers, they're criminals. They're not playing fair. Yeah. 
And we need to understand because they're not playing fair, we're we're leaving ourselves vulnerable and they're preying on you being a decent person, you being a nice person. Um, there's people that have gotten the phishing attack saying, Hey, we got victim. We got video of you watching, uh, adult videos and people are committing suicide because of that. Uh, part of your brain is that limbic system. The other part is your amygdala. And there's something called amygdala hijacking where your brain literally shuts down and it just focuses on something that needs immediate attention and you're no longer thinking rationally. And that's a biological function that happens to everyone. Mm-hmm. It's not that if you see the same phishing email, you're going to react the same way. That's not it. It's just, how do you get to someone? How do you influence their behavior? That's what they're focused on is how do I get you to click? How do I get you to send over the Amazon, well, the iTunes gift card information. How do I get get you to do that? If I could influence your behavior, then you've been had. Um, And we're not really focusing on that in cybersecurity at all. We're focused a lot on the firewalls, the IPS systems, DevOps, and cyber hygiene, all the buzzwords. You know, all the buzzwords that actually get people to click. (laughs) Um, Because it's it's the cool thing rather than... uh, you know what? You are the problem, and this is why. Yeah. And let's let's take some time. Let's address that. So I think it's interesting that you mentioned the fix really here is ultimately training and how we go about training, because um, you have an you have an interesting background. You've been in traditional academia. You were what a dean or an assistant dean for a school? Yes, sir. What's what's the story there? Uh, so for a while, I was a dean and an associate dean. Okay, uh, and an associate director. Um, so being in traditional academia was fantastic. Yeah, uh, I, I enjoy I really enjoyed it. Um, meeting a lot of people, meeting a lot of students, yeah. um, seeing people through their journey uh, into this industry or, or another industry. It didn't really matter to me. Um, it was it's fun. I, I love it. And then now you're doing more boot camp style training, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're you're teaching at Secure Set. Yes, sir. So how do you see, uh, you know, the, the world evolving, I guess, traditional academia versus boot camp style training versus where it should be going? Um, I guess either one of those things or both. Um, what are your thoughts there? There's a place for both. Um, and I don't want that to sound like a, a cop out answer, but I'm just being honest. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of students um, that are going to traditional universities that are absolutely amazing and you don't need four years. You don't need history, math or biology. You don't need those classes. You need to go through a boot camp, understand um, the concepts, pick them up extremely quickly and then apply them because the industry needs you. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's also other students that struggle greatly in a boot camp where 20 weeks isn't enough time. It's not that they're not smart enough or they don't belong in the industry. It's honestly, you need to spend more time, dive deeper into particular concepts. That's why the four-year university will be great for those individuals. Mm -hmm. If we stop focusing on the university and just go to the boot camp, we're leaving a bunch of amazing people out that just learn at a slower pace. Uh, The boot camp is fantastic for those that can get it and get it quickly and want to apply it. I will say the boot camp is not for everybody because it's not just your easy way into the industry. Because if you don't know it, you're going to be found out extremely quickly and you're going to find your way out the industry extremely quickly when you should have been in a four year university and really picked it up and really understood it. But if you pick it up extremely quickly, I don't know if I would have made it through a boot camp because hmm. I struggled through some of the concepts and I really needed the eight week. I needed a semester of this so I could fully understand it. Some people need a week of this and they fully understand it. That's who the boot camps for. But for us regular folk, <laughs> um, the university is absolutely fantastic. I, I highly respect both of them being a doctorate. Of course I'm an academic and I love the I love four year universities, uh, but I teach at a boot camp and I see a place for it. Uh, yeah, what do you like teaching at better? Um, 
Uh, Secure Set's awesome right now. Yeah. I like the cohort model uh, because you see, you got a group of students and you're seeing them all the way through mm-hmm. and you really grow close and you grow attached to those people. Um, at a university, there are so many people. Um, I didn't really feel connected to a lot of them. And if I did, it was probably because you were in my office a lot okay. and it may not have been right. on the on the best terms. Uh, but when you have a group of people that are with you um, throughout 20 weeks or 12 weeks, you really gl- grow close to those people. Um, I I enjoy teaching there more because of probably because of that, because I really connect to every one of my students. I know who they are. Um, I know a little bit of their background, know a little bit of their story. Yeah. Um, and so I know every single one of them because there's 40 to 50 of them. That's about it. Yeah. At a university, it's a couple thousand. So there's no yeah. way I get to know. I'm, I get to know all of you. Talk to me about Handshake Leadership. What is this? How did this come about? Well, Handshake Leadership is uh, my company is a company that I own. We focus on uh, organizational development, leadership development, and cyber education consulting. Those are the three things that we feel we are really good at. Okay. And it started when I started my doctorate. Uh, every instructor that I met was a consultant and I looked up and I aspired to be like every single one of them because they're absolutely amazing and fantastic. So figure I'll give my shot. I'll start consulting as, as well. Um, little did I know my dissertation, part of my dissertation topic uh, was on a new organizational model. Uh, not, no hierarchy because to say, hey, I work below this person, I work above this person is kind of demeaning. Um, it's, it's really demeaning. So we focused on a circle on an organizational chart. Hmm. And so if we followed that, our motto is purpose over profit. So we don't deny any company. We don't deny any organization because they can't pay. Okay. So that's who we are. And I, I absolutely love it. We're, we're rocking it right now. Mm-hmm. It's truly, truly a dream come true for us to be in the position where we are like some self bragging is we want best social impact company in the Colorado Springs business journal awesome. the past two years. Yeah. Now. Congrats. Uh, appreciate it. Undeserved. 100% undeserved. Why? Um, to be, to be honest, when I see our name and you see organizations like Pike speak United way, um, you see organizations like Tessa, uh, I'm like, we're just, we teach kids and stuff. We have some boot camps. We yeah. we do some fun stuff with kids, but we're not saving lives. And those people are, uh, that, you know, Pike speak United ways doing, they're donating thousands and thousands of laptops to schools and, mm-hmm. um, Tessa's, uh, helping women and, and men in abusive situations. Um, nothing we do compares to that. So it's totally yeah. undeserved. So if anyone's listening, um, we appreciate it. We love you. We love to support, uh, support them. Yeah. Uh, don't, you can support us as well, but the vote for best social impact company <laughs> okay. is probably to the most impactful company. And they can't win it every year. So it's true. They need to spread it around. <laughs> so you, you get to win it one year. And I appreciate it. I appreciate it. So the handshake leadership then it's, it's teaching cybersecurity, right? Mm-hmm. Ultimately to a wide range of organizations, including kids. Yeah. Like talk, tell me a little bit more about that. So we, we teach we teach teachers how to teach cybersecurity. Okay. That's the that's our number one thing. We Teaching also teach the kids as well. Okay. Because a cybersecurity professional is not going to take a teacher's salary because teachers right. are grossly underpaid. Yep. So what can we do? We just can't sit here and say, "Well, tough luck, teachers," and then they go to some cool coding boot camp. They go to some cool cybersecurity boot camp. Then they go into class. And they feel like they're they're cheated. And so they lose their interest because they spend most of their time in class. So we teach teachers just how we teach cybersecurity professionals. They go through all the training. They learn how to actually do the stuff. And they certify as well. Okay. And currently we're developing our, teach, our, cyber, our certified cyber certified cyber teacher certification. Okay. Because we want to certify those teachers that understand education and cybersecurity. Right, cool. Um, but we also teach kids. 
uh, a cool thing we do. Uh, we teach Girl Scout troops. Yeah. Because uh, Girl Scouts, they get cybersecurity badges now. Yeah. And so we teach all three levels for all levels of Girl Scouts from the brownies to the juniors and the daisies. I know more about Girl Scouts now than Whoa. I ever thought yeah. I would. Um, and we teach them just just how one and the same. Uh, it's amazing. We go over cryptography. And I remember there was this girl in our last class. Uh, I wrote my name up. I was like, if A equals B, B equals C, C equals D, what is this? And she's like, that says hello. And then this other girl in the back, she's like, I wrote my name. I'm like, already? Like, that's an hour-long session at Secure Set. Wow. <laughs> and we blew by in like a minute or two minutes um, to to be as fun and as engaging, but still be true to the art of cybersecurity, to be true to that and not totally water it down to where it's just totally kiddified mm-hmm. and it loses what, what its real meaning is. Um, so we do that and uh, we we help sponsor a coding in action competition in Colorado Springs. And last year we had about 500 kids this year. We're going to have close to about 500 kids. Um, And it's amazing. Um, One thing I do want to know women in security, it's, it's absolutely vital. And one thing I notice is that as the younger the kids are, the more girls you see, Mm -hmm. the older the kids are, the less girls you see. Uh, And, I don't know exactly what we're doing as a society. I say that we as a, yeah. as a collective uh, to prevent that from happening. Cause last year, the three of the winners for the coding in action competition is a group of girls. I'm like, dude, don't you girls stop this. Like uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's so fulfilling. It's so amazing. Um, and we do all of it. We don't, we, we're not looking to make money off of it. It's always the purpose um, yeah. over the money will come. If love not, it. it's okay. Uh, we'll we'll find a way. Um, I love it. I love it. Sorry, that's my passion. No, it's. I think. I think it's incredible. So it's appreciate it. It's st- stuff that needs to needs to be done, and um, I'm seeing it too. I, I'm finding the younger generation, Gen Z. There's definitely far more diversity. Yeah. That's that's interested in technology. Um, hopefully, cybersecurity. So, I I think it's great that you're seeing it too. I appreciate it. Tell me about TEDx, because you did a, a TEDx speech. I did. In uh, Colorado Springs. Tell me a little bit about that story. I did. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, so one of my friends, uh, he supports me a lot, yeah. and he asks, are you going to ever do a TED Talk? And it was kind of an ongoing joke. Like, hey, you should do a TED Talk. Like, yeah. Hey, we, we love the research. You speak a lot. You should do a TED Talk. Um, so... I get an email and it's it's from TEDx. It's like, hey, apply, uh, submit uh, an audition for for TED, and so I did. Mm-hmm. I, I submitted it and submitted it just how I typically present, and I get a response back that they like it. And so I'm I'm into the second round. Okay. And so I submit another talk because the first talk was three minutes or something like that. They oh. went it really short. And then the next one was going to be uh, eight to nine minutes. Okay. And so I submitted that. And then it was, I got a response, love the talk, way too much research. So I'm like, that, that, that's who I am. Huh. Like, that, that's, my, that's my research. Yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, and so uh, they asked if I would submit again to, to redo it, but add more personal stories to connect to an audience. Yeah. And so I did and they loved it. And they said, well, we want to put you on the the Ted stage. And it was eye opening to me. I learned a lot. Yeah. I, I learned a lot. It's, it's a very, it was a very positive uh, experience overall. Um, What'd you learn? I, I learned uh, to connect with how to build a talk to connect to more people and not just be so research driven. Okay. So, so numbers driven. Cause I'm always going by the notion men lie, women lie, numbers don't like provide the numbers, provide the, the science, provide the statistics to solidify what you're saying. Um, when typically everyone else just wants to hear something they can connect to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had some great speaker coaches. Uh, I had Jill Davis and Rich Parsons. They they were my speaker coaches, and they helped me out 
so much to say, hey, move this here, change this. Yeah. Um, let's make half the talk about your mom and let's make half the talk about your story and how did you get to the data. Then at the last third of it or the last half of it, it can be the data, but we need to know how you got there. Okay. The um, journey. And it helped. So it helped so much. Uh, still to this day, I promise you, and it's not a lot, I've never watched it. No? <laughs> no. Why? I, I don't know. It, it, it feels weird. Yeah. Uh, it feels weird to watch myself. I hear it's good. Yeah. Uh, it came across pretty good. I kind of blacked out on stage, you know, where it's just kind of, yeah. you stop thinking and the talk just kind of flowed. Yeah. And I heard it was really good. Well, you're in front of a huge audience, right? It's yeah. how many people? Yeah. I think it was something like close to like 700 or something. Okay. Like, so it, yeah. was, it was a, it was a big a big group. Yeah. Uh, it was nerve wracking uh, because you just get one chance. Right. You get one shot at it. Um, they do a good job with editing, I guess. They they, they edit if it's some horrific happens. They uh-huh. try to cut it out. But overall, uh, you get one chance and it's it's your TED Talk. Yeah. Uh, as a researcher, that's kind of – never thought I'd be give a TED Talk. But it's kind of one of the top things, you know, to, to talk at, at TED is, is huge. And I'm very grateful for it. But the nerves come up. The nerves come mm-hmm. up. Uh, I was nervous. I was first on stage. Uh, so, yeah, you uh, kicked it off. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was first on stage. So I was extremely nervous. But the cohort, the group we had, because we all kind of went through it together – even though everyone was from everywhere around the U.S., uh, we kind of went through it together. So everyone's cheering each other on. Yeah. Everyone's watching the screen to see uh, me go, and uh, it just it went it went well. I'm thankful for it. Uh, it's I'm funny. Really In those situations, I prefer to always go first, just to get it over with. I I think so. I think that was a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise, you're you're sitting there watching. All the other people go, and the nerves just keep building and building. Yeah. yeah. Part of me, and this is going to sound super vain, just to be honest. Uh, part of me wanted to go second or third just so I could hear someone stumble. Oh, so yeah? I can know it's okay. Because when I think, yeah. when I see TED Talks, you think of like the greatest talks you've ever heard. Yeah. And everyone's just perfect. And they don't stumble over any words and don't slur words. I typically slur my words. You can probably hear it now. Um, and it's... I just wanted to hear that, hear that it's okay. And yeah. I went on stage. I want it to be perfect. I don't think I was absolutely perfect. But there's, after I saw some other people go and they stumbled up and it was okay. It made me feel okay. Yeah. Uh, it's like, we're all human. We're all normal. Um, you spend so long working on your TED Talk. And I just think of like Simon Sinek and all mm-hmm. those ama- amazing people. Just flawless talks flawless and i'm like i i can't do that <laughs> and, and yet often in their minds they mess stuff up so, you're right <laughs> so you're right. it's it's all perspective but I, right. I think that's awesome right it was so fun so yeah. fun though I, if you have a story to tell i definitely recommend it yeah you know screw it give a ted talk i'm not sure if i have a story to tell hmm. I'll i'm think sure about you that. do <laughs> I, i'm sure you do <laughs> that might be in my future that would be great my own research, which I got to figure out what that research is, but uh, I'll work on that. I, I'm sure you. Have, I'm sure everyone has something they've gone through. That's it true. may not be research driven. Yeah, um, it may just be something you've gone through. Yeah. There was a, a a young girl in high school that spoke about um, like veganism and things like hmm. things like that, and it was a very very solid talk. There was a woman. You remember the kids that got their lemonade stand shut down no well it was in colorado i think it was in denver or okay. somewhere up north um kids were selling lemonade and then police came and they shut down the lemonade stand because they didn't have a permit to sell food i don't remember that yeah so that that happened and she gave her ted talk there and oh. it was fantastic and that she was one of the kids no she was the mom the kid's oh, mom okay and so she gave her TED talk, and it was. I was like, "This is this is cool." So it wasn't always research driven. It was yeah. something personal. She shared her story. She shared what she did. Yeah. Um, helped changing the laws where kids could sell lemonade without a permit. It was fantastic. So everyone has something they've right. gone through. I love to hear it. What's actually fascinating is there's probably a listener to this particular interview on this podcast 
that will be a future TED speaker. I would love that. I would love to hear it. Yeah. If so, just, you know. If so, maybe years from now, reach out to uh, Eric. Say, hey, you inspired me. to. uh, Hey, if I can inspire one person, that'd be amazing. There you go. Right on. So how can people follow you? What's what's a good social media platform that you use? I use LinkedIn and Facebook, really. Those are okay. I'm not millennial enough for a, a Twitter. I, no? I, I have a Twitter. Yeah. Uh, but I, I suck at tweeting. <laughs> I'm, I'm horrible at it. But on LinkedIn, I'm Dr. Eric J. Huffman. Um, there's a couple Dr. Huffmans out there, so I add the J in there to okay. kind of distinguish myself. Yeah. So y- you can you can find me there. Yeah, you can't miss you. That's no, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so people should find you on LinkedIn. Yes, please. Connect with you or follow you. Um, I do not use Facebook all that much myself. A lot so. of a lot of really smart cyber people don't because it's kind of not of a good thing to, to use I Facebook. Uh, we'll uh, just, let's just stay away from that, yeah, uh, you're right. that topic. All right. Well, it's been awesome having you, Eric. This is, this has been a fun conversation. I've enjoyed it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. That concludes my interview with Dr. Eric J. Huffman from the Snowfrock conference. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow and support Colorado equals security on Patreon. This is Jason Jakes saying, be safe out there. Learn more about the Colorado security scene at colorado-security.com, where you can see information about local security groups, a calendar of upcoming security events, and learn more about Colorado equals security. Reach out to Alex and Rob by emailing info at colorado-security.com. Until next time, remember, Colorado equals security.